0: If you like to gamble, I tell you, I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me.
1: Hello, and welcome to the first ever MotorCast. That's right, you are going to be getting all of your things Motorhead right here in the first ever official Motorhead podcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith, you may know me as singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may know me from my uh, own podcast, Talking Bollocks. But in this particular case, I am here to be your guide through the world of all things that are motorhead and we are starting with the classic album Ace of Spades because that is about to turn 40 and to celebrate its 40th anniversary um, there is going to be some amazing things coming out two new deluxe editions there's going to be a hardback book packs in two CD and triple LP formats featuring a previously unheard concert from the Ace Up Your Sleeve tour, the story of the album, loads of photos you've never seen before uh, and also it's going to be released in an ultimate fan collection edition, an Ace of Spades box set which is also going to be containing all sorts of era specific treasures and wait for it, 42 previously unreleased tracks so there's plenty to get your teeth into there um over the course of the next few episodes we are going to be having all sorts of people from the history of motorhead people who have been involved with the band people who have worked with the band on creative projects friends of the band uh people who've toured with them all sorts of people that have all got something special or some kind of connection to the Ace of Spades, and we start with Stefan Shirazi. Now, Stefan um, first met Motorhead as a teenage journalist, and then became an important member of the creative and merch team. A relationship that actually spans four decades—that is pretty amazing. And as I'm sure you'd agree, that sounds like somebody you'd want to hear from. So that's exactly what we did. So the first episode and the very first interview is that man himself. Stefan Shirazi, Steph. A lot of people will know your name. Um, they'll have heard it over the years, and um, uh, you work with Motel on the creative side, and obviously um, were very involved in putting these these new packages together. How did um, how did that come about?
0: Well, it's a uh, you know over the last uh, two and a half decades or so, um, I, I would work with the band and Lemmy on on you know getting his ideas across uh, for merchandise items and also to make the packages for the uh, for the albums and so on a little more, you say, a little more um, interesting, maybe, or just to try and get them as, as, as fun as possible for the fans. And so that included getting Lem to open up and offer up some of his handwritten lyrics that we could start putting into these packages here and there. Uh, a few of his doodles ended up in them over the years. So, you know, it... it, it trust in the relationship there to, you know, bridge the gap between what he wanted fans to get and what they weren't getting. So, you know, and that went to t-shirt designs as well. And, you know, we we had a language. And so fast forward, uh, to this, um, great relationship with BMG. Um, I mean, as a fan, super exciting to be able to be involved in helping put these sets together. Um, and, and just, you know, it, it, again, it's, you've got this figure who sort of looks down from above. And it's, it's funny because I don't really believe in any of that. You know, I believe in spirits and energy and all that. But I never actually believed that, you know, there's a face that pokes out of the clouds and looks at you. But every so often I look up and I see a raised eyebrow, uh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 a, and a sign of a couple of warts peeking through a cloud. And uh, and then that raised eyebrow comes back down, and I get a quick wink, and I like, oh, I must be on the right track. So, you know, there's a uh, there's a great duty of care with, with these box sets to, to make them as absolutely, you know, fan, exciting, um, unique, whatever that you know phrase you want to use that we can. Um, and that's the is a guiding principle um, because you know he. Yeah, he did want to make sure that fans were looked after, you know, always. So, uh,
1: and that's something that 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 everybody has has spoken about that I've, I've spoken to. Um, you know, that yeah. runs right through from the, the you know from Lemmy being in the pub next door to the gig early, you know, in their early career, and that had to stop as they got as they got bigger. They just couldn't do things like that. But they they were obviously oh a very very fan facing band.
0: Yes, I mean, look, he, uh, you know, he's a free spirit and a man of the people, and he was always more comfortable, I felt, with just, you know, with people than he was with personalities, if you will, Um, you know, which is quite ironic because he was a personality, but only by proxy, really. He was, you know, he was completely and utterly what you saw was what you got. And I think that he enjoyed people on that level. So, yeah, I mean, he was deeply appreciative. I think of the, of, of, of the fact that, that fans loved what he, you know what he did, and so whether it had been a T-shirt or an album package, or now you know now that he's not here, we have to we, we have to maintain the standards uh, to the very best of our capabilities, and that's yeah, it's really what the bo- I mean, the box sets are all about. That I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the the album itself is, is you know, in terms of Ace of Spades in terms of Overkill and Bomber, they are what they are. They're, they're timeless classics, you know, uh, X amount of tracks, and, you, you know, you can re-release them, you know, into Kingdom Come. But, but it's nice to be able to present elements, ingredients, um, you know, uh, uh, that, that nobody knows about yeah. them. It's, it's, great. it's great to be able to find someone like Chris Needs who was there you know, it's not a bunch. We haven't got a bunch of people quoted telling you uh, what Ace of Spades meant to them at the age of ten. Uh, we've got Chris Needs telling you what it was, what was going on
1: because yeah. he was there. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, it was brilliant. Those are the little things that I think you can't, you can't beat. You know. Um, and of course, you know, it's always nice to have fun thinking about. Well, I mean, what at this point, you know, what is a box set? Is it something that sits on your shelf? Or is it something that you interact with? And I think that it's it's both really. It can yeah. be. It can. It's, you've got to make it for both. So, you know, you throw in some stuff to the box set, not just to toss it in. But we really think about. Okay, if you're going to spend a night with an album that is number one a Stone Cold classic, number two themed around the Wild West, what does that look like? Well, it looks like poker. Yeah. It looks like you know whiskey. I mean, you know, so, ah, well, let's introduce a couple of those elements in it where you can maybe play a game of poker while you're listening and have have a couple of whiskeys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To make it more fun and and, and engage on that level. Um, and then the other element of these things, which has been very important, uh, at this started the 79 was, you know, we talked about um, between us all. And when I say we, uh, you know, that's, Absolutely, Miles Hackett and, and Emma Curley, and you know we we, we talked about how to uh, make these time packages as well, not just yeah, you know, not just a, a box set, but let's really get people into what it was like back then, you know, the, the atmosphere in which these albums lived. So you know, with Overkill and Bombing, you had '79. So what's 1979 like? And we really wanted to try and make sure that people understood that the social era that that album came up with. So we, we had some pretty cool promo clips on YouTube um, that would get into that. And then, you know, with Ace of Spades, again, you know, you want people to understand what the era was like. So there's this brilliant 35-minute, uh, something like that, um, collection of, of, of news clips and videos and everything from the era, uh, which, uh, you know, they're, I mean, I guess they're not edited together necessarily to make a movie because they're quite, you know, it's quite rough, like just put together as a collection. But if you watch it from top to bottom, it's brilliant. It just brings you right back to what it was like. I mean, you know, I, I was a, t- a young teenager at that point. I remember what Britain was like and this nails it. So, so if you didn't know what the social climate was when these albums came out, you will by the end of the, getting through these box sets
1: and and one thing that becomes sort of apparent as well is that i mean that's the, by the way i mean that is all brilliant and i love the idea of the, mm. the you know setting setting the scene almost you likes for when these albums were coming out um but the musical scene back then as well um was uh, you know for, for for people who weren't around at the time um and especially maybe you know uh, younger listeners Um, I mean, you know, when it came to heavy metal, which which I know Lemmy hated, but we're we're just going to skirt around the issue for a moment. Um, There wasn't, you know, there wasn't the tonne of genres and tonne of bands that you have now. I mean, you could count everybody on two hands and and nobody was doing what Motorhead were doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what's really and this is one of the things that I've banged on about for ages, actually, and uh, forever. I mean, it's one of the reasons I got into this band, uh, aside from the fact that they were unbelievably cool and incredibly fucking loud, uh, both of which are very appealing when you're a, a, a young man in the suburbs of, uh, of London uh, or anywhere, actually. Um, but they were, for me, genreless. Yeah. They cross genres. They Lemmy opened his arms to anyone who wasn't a wanker. I mean, that was basically his credo was, you know, if you're an asshole, go f- go fuck off. Yeah. And if you're not, welcome. you got long hair, short hair, pink hair, blue hair. He didn- didn't give a shit. If yeah. you like us and you're a good person, you know, great. We're happy to have you on board. Um, and-, and I think that <clears throat> they really... You know, the the cross-genre appeal of of that band, which, God, that phrase sounded so horrible and marketing. Let me try that. There's actually no other way of saying it, is there, Howard? No. uh, Other than this sort of... I mean, it sounds actually there like I am talking marketing bollocks, but (laughs) but I'm not. I mean, there's no other other way to say it. The cross-genre appeal was massive. Yeah. Punks, metalheads, rockers, you know, everyone has has, has a piece of this band in, in, in their heart. So... Yeah, but, and and I think that that's why there's always such universal um, appreciation for the music and and and, and appeal for, for for the band.
1: Yeah, I mean the the loudest and heaviest rock and roll band in history. Um, yeah. Who who and I've said this before with other people who who laid the foundations to inspire other people to create an entire new genre of heavy metal called thrash metal.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one because I remember sitting with Lem on, uh, we went on tour uh, for a Kerrang! story in um, 1988, 89, somewhere in there. We did a fair few road trips around then. But I think, anyway, this one was with Slayer. um, I remember him saying to me, you know, I'm not disputing, he said to me, I'm not disputing that this is, you know, kids love it, so, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to ever doubt that the kids know, you know, what's cool and what's good and what isn't. But he said, Steph, like, you know, if you can explain it to me, because I just don't really get it. <laughs> you know, so I just don't understand, like, where it's coming from. Well, because if you think it's interesting what you said, you know, I guess Thrash did, to an extent, come from a combination of Motorhead and, and Discharge and GBH, right, and stuff like that. Um, uh, and, uh, but, of course, Len's musical references were all, you know, ranging from the beatles to to hendrix and to you know
1: yeah little right? richard and so, people like that
0: yeah little richard and then the 60s and all that so his point of reference for these things for music was was, was so fundamentally different that actually the question was was very smart and made a lot of sense you know because yeah. he was saying look I, I, I just can you explain it and so I remember sort of explaining it in those terms, and uh, and and he was, um, I mean, he was relatively satisfied with the answer, but you know, he, he was it was still an abstract to him. I think, you know, I think it was always an abstract to him that Motorhead, you know, was responsible for, for thrash. Although he did, he was very proud of uh, their influence on Metallica. He's very proud, I and mean, he was always very proud that uh, of, of Lars and James flying the flag, and and the bat and Metallica flying the flag, and. Uh, you know that made him very happy. You know, I know that. So
1: yeah, I mean that again, and that's 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 part of the legacy, isn't it? Um, and 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 I guess that conversation that you had with Lemmy, it's 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 almost like sort of sitting down with little Richard and saying, so you know, trying to explain Motorhead. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's 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 very difficult to try and understand something that that are claiming you as an influence when you don't recognise. You know what? What the eventual well, I think sound is. That's a really, in, uh, it's
0: an interesting abstract that you throw in because actually, I, I have to say, I think if you were to sit down with Little Richard uh, and discuss Motorhead, you would probably have. I think Little Richard would understand Motorhead a little more than Lem understood Slayer simply because in the structure of what Motorhead wrote, there was, you know, there was this sort of. Um, roots, rock and roll, blues sort of influence in, 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 you know, in a lot of the early stuff they wrote. So you could actually, you could physically point to certain things and say, well, there's this and there's this, you know. Um, I mean, even something like Step Down Off Bomber or whatever, you could say, you know, you can hear Eddie sort of wailing in that sort of like, I actually, I I, I don't know why I picked that song. It's probably, it's probably the one Motorhead song of all those years that is not a fan favourite, but... You know, it's got Eddie wailing slowly in the background, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So there'd be some congruence there for little Richard. And, but I think just to explain to Len that, like, yeah, you know, those, the, the double bass of, of Filthy and Overkill was was a, you know, was a major factor on, 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 on things. I think that's, he would be like, oh, you know, OK, but what about the bluesy stuff? I don't hear that in this. You know what I mean? He would be. Yeah. You'd have to get into it on that. If you, well, you got into it on that level. Wow, that was a tangent of
1: near I do. Well, <laughs> it, Well, well, look. It, it, if if, noth- if nothing else, we got we got to hear the conversation that you had with uh, with Lemmy about. Please explain Slayer to me, and I'm I'm sure anyone listening won't have, well, won't have heard I, anything I, like well, that before.
0: I, let me- well, let me share you another quick conversation I had with them that is also in the realm of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we should we should be so lucky, right? We should be so lucky. If but, we dev,
1: if we develop a, a double act like that, uh, we'll definitely get our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you this: on the same tour, uh, I was. Driving, actually, myself and the photographer drove for a little bit. We drove our own rental car behind the tour bus because the tour bus was actually jammed with people. Oh, uh, yeah. And there wasn't, room for, there wasn't room for two of us. So for a few days when uh, the photographer was out, Mark, uh, two of us drove behind the bus. So so I think I, we drove, this is in Texas, and again, this is a, you know, mid to late 80s, and we drove to, uh, We have driven through the night, I don't know, we've driven a fair old distance. And so... I walked into the uh, walked into the dressing room area to find Lem sitting in, in in the corner uh, by the, the the table there with the, the lights on, reading, which he would do, you know, and uh, putting together little soldiers and the Kinder eggs and whatever else, and you know, doing his you know his quiet pretty big thing. But he was he was definitely quite buried in this book. And about thirty feet from him was a large tray of sandwiches. <clears throat> And uh I, I was so hungry because, <clears throat> I, I I don't know, I hadn't, I hadn't eaten for ages, so I went to get a sandwich and he turned around, sort of peered at me <clears throat> and he said, well, I first met you, Stefan, you know, I remember you're, uh, you're a lot smaller than you are now. Uh, it happens, but you've got to look after yourself with this lifestyle. So, you know, just travelling and all this eating, you're eating at odd hours and it's, uh, it's not not good for you. you get fat and as he was saying this i sort of found myself getting closer to him for some reason i don't know why you know but as someone's talking you move nearer maybe to listen to be polite but i ended up within arm's length of him and he said you know he said things like that are not going to help you and he grabbed the sandwich out of my hand just threw it against the wall and i, I sort of looked and i was like uh, but but i was hungry and he looks at me and he goes Trust me, Steph. You'll thank me for that later. <laughs> and then, as, uh, and then I sort of looked. just really bewildered. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, okay, well, thanks, Lem. And then as as I left, he said, "You try a little speed sometimes. That'll help you as well, man." <laughs> and I left. <laughs> Brilliant. I was like, oh, uh, I was like it's fucking hell. Like, yeah. Uh, by like, By the uh, way,
1: uh, um, I've got to thank, <laughs> I've got to thank, uh, I've got to thank you on behalf of myself and the listeners for. Um, uh, a Lemmy impression that you've clearly worked on over the years. That is, that's not bad at all. <laughs> that is not bad at all, mate. <laughs> that's like he's in the room. Yeah,
0: it was so good. Well, yeah, i, I, I put it this to, to this day, whenever I've been in a, any setting with, a, with any form of deli sandwich uh, arrangement, uh, I, 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 I always remember it. You know, oh, and and uh, yeah, 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 and and you know he he meant it well, you know he really did, but uh, dear, anyway, that's I mean I, that's I think th- I,
1: I, 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 <laughs> that's got to be one of that's got to be one of the uh, the sort of um, uh, I don't know more sort of children's stories that um, that, that 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 are uh, recyclable with the, on your adventures with Lemmy over the years. No,
0: well, what's well, what's very interesting is, and it's why you came to that. And let me preface that with another story I have of Lem that is somewhat, uh, uh, you know, it's the opposite of health, actually. It, when I first interviewed him for the, my school magazine in 1982, uh, for which he gave me three and a half to four hours in the studio, by the way.
1: Wow. Um, hang on, hang on, hang yeah, on. Yeah, no, yeah, we've yeah. three or four yeah. hours for somebody doing a university yeah. project
0: what university tri-secondary school hollyfield secondary school in surbiton there are uh, what the mighty the mighty Hollyvine with its four <laughs> uh sheets of a4 stapled together so i mean that and i sent a request to the management to a lady called sue Manley who uh wrote me back and said let me request your presence at uh, x amount of times at olympic studios and uh um and and uh i think it was olympic studios i can't remember it was uh I can't, yeah i can't remember the studio i think it was olympic anyway it was where they were doing another perfect day and i do and yes three and a half four hours that's and I remember amazing i timidly i timidly went up to the door of the studio with my photographer slash best mate fellow motorhead fanatic yeah. um know, yeah, i was what 13 at the time or something uh uh 13 14 14 something in there and uh you know, the door gets pulled open, and you expect it. You, know, you expect Lemmy to be there. I mean, you know, I had the bloke on uh, posters on my wall. I didn't exactly expect this seven foot eight, you yeah. know, uh, uh, god to be to be opening the door. And he's opened yeah. the door, and he said, "Hello," you know, and he thrust a pint of vodka and orange into my hand, of which I may say the orange was only added for colour. Um <laughs> And and led me led me to the studio, uh, one of the studios. Parked me in front of the mixing board, showed me where the volume and play button were. I said, "Have a listen." And so, I will always have a, a deep emotional resonance with the beginning of the song "Back at the Funny Farm," because yeah. you know, it, if you remember, it goes, quick, quick, eh, "Top notch." It does that, and, and yeah. I mean, it blew my fucking mind. I'm sitting there with a pint of vodka <laughs> and orange in my hand that's been handed to me. And it's just the whole thing. I mean, I, you can paint your own picture of what I might have been going through, but it was absolutely mind-blowing beyond belief.
1: Oh, As was the
0: yeah. fact that Phil, filthy Phil, filthy Phil, had a night off and he came in to say hello or something. I mean, I, I don't, maybe he came in because he forgot his gum. I don't know. It's changed, but I, he came in and sat down and spent loads of time with us. And yeah,
1: so wow.
0: You know, that's another that's another angle of Lem. But um, and yeah. what's interesting is that. I witnessed a lot of things uh, on on tour, but you know, I I was always I was always watch, I was always a I was a watcher without being a creep, if you know what I mean. There's a difference between <laughs> being someone who's, a, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you weren't you weren't a
1: voyeur, someone. is what you're saying.
0: I wasn't a voyeur, and I wasn't like sort of looking to to like judge anyone. I just I just I I actually had felt I had such a duty to do my job, which yeah. it was to capture this moment people who weren't there yes um,
1: you
0: know I wanted people to, I wanted people to feel everything that it was uh, you know as, as if they were you know watching a film or whatever well the report so felt, yeah exactly if I was just out of my if I, if I was out of my fucking mind all the time you know, it's fun to write about a little bit, but after a while, that's just narcissistic bollocks, and nobody. can, You know, you're not doing your job. You're serving. You're really serving some sort of third ego, and so yeah, your Hunter, S. Tom- your Hunter
1: S. Thompson is is, is is if that's what you're doing. You've become the story instead of reporting on it.
0: And in fairness, uh, actually, the, uh, to, to tangent that for a minute, in a yeah. sense, yes, but you've also got to say that. I mean, Thompson. What makes what makes Thompson so brilliant is that. He was able to do both. He could yeah. get out of his fucking mind <laughs> and still retain laser focus. I mean, his 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 notes on the Nixon campaign, his whole, like, his, you know, his following, you know, uh, fear of noting on the campaign trail is just insane. The detail is mental. I, so Well, you know, I'm, I'm a huge a, fan. I'm a huge a unique, fan. Such a unique, I mean, by like, unique, I mean, when people... Talk about gonzo journalism, it's so hard to do, and, and, and I, I think he was a one and out.
1: I, look, I completely yeah. agree, agree, but I have to apologize to everybody for taking you off on that ridiculous tangent. Um, no, no, it's all right.
0: Um,
1: but I guess the point being, the point being that yes, Lem, I, 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 you know, we, we did,
0: you know, we saw things, but there was also always a great innocence, and, and not innocence, there's a great sense of living life for joy. Rather than debauchery with Motorhead, that's one thing. And and it was never about. It was never debauchery for debauchery's sake. Like you always felt that maybe some bands in the late eighties, whatever nineties, but were sort of. Do you know what I'm saying? They were getting yeah. into it on the level of, well, Led Zeppelin did this, so we can do that. I mean, you felt yeah. there was a little bit of. Uh, that was never. I never. I never felt that was the case of Motorhead. They were just living life. For, for, they were living life. They were enjoying it. And, yeah. and and they were they were young turning into maybe not so young men who just they just wanted to live life so things that happened girls drugs whatever I, when i say an innocence that may, that sounds wrong but it's also so right they weren't doing these things to for power trips or to you know to indulge in escaping from miserable lives or whatever Doing it because it was fun and they could.
1: They were having a laugh,
0: and 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 they were having a laugh, which is uh, which is you know, uh, and and that band had uh, and Lemmy in particular had such great sense of humour as well. I mean, it's something that I think is often overlooked. So I think that's. I mean, these are all things that I think have helped make them completely unique and and enduring. And I mean, even with Ace of Spades, there's there's little flickers of of sort of British Northern humour, right? You know, stop buzzing about, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? There's those things and, I mean, they're just these little touches, you know? I mean, it's, it's great. You know.
1: Well, there's there's no more there's no more sort of famous image of of Motorhead than than the cover of Ace of Spades, and there's no more sort of <laughs> there's no more sort of Motorhead experience than you know the background of the cover and the fact that it's you know it's a a, a sandpit outside London, you know, yeah, yeah. and and, and uh, people all around the world were wondering who this group of banditos were. Um, oh. You know, it, it's just it encapsulates the it encapsulates the band perfectly. Um, but
0: even that, you see, sorry, I cut you off. But even no, that's no, that sorry. you talk about. Like, you talk about, and you've got, you know, I mean, uh, I think every fan in, 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 in the world was clamoring to find out where this exotic location was. You know, yeah, was it was it was it Marrakesh? You know, was it you know? I mean, but where was this like you know insane desert? And then there's that moment. I think for me, it was at the beginning of an interview that they did for a live VHS release from live in Toronto 1982. I think this is the first time I learned actually where it was. When you see Filthy turn down and say to the camera, shot in a sunstone quarry in Bordet. <laughs> 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 and even in that, there's it's, it's humour, you know. It's, how great is that? you know? But yeah, I mean, what did what, mean, these going mean, how fucking cool did they look yeah who didn't who who didn't go out and buy a bullet belt after that come on
1: absolutely i mean that it's well everybody everybody i knew who had a bullet belt had one because of the cover of ace of spades
0: and everyone was looking for an extra long silver bullet at the front i think that was well i did anyway but that was you know <laughs> could you think of it as I just, I, I, but, and then the jackets, you look and you're like, God, I wish I could wear something like that, you know. I mean, of course, it would look absolutely fucking horrendous on most human beings, uh, but, uh, especially grotty sub teenagers from the suburbs. But you just, you wanted to look like them, you know. And I'll tell you another thing out of the cover that's really intriguing to me is that actually, Lem is not the principal place that your eye goes to. I mean, for me, my eye immediately goes to Filthon the way the cover's shot and, the way yeah. it's. and and I remember when it came out it actually took me a couple of looks to determine who Lem and who Eddie were because it's quite dark that original shot so you have to look twice to figure it out you know, well, I had two back then so, you know.
1: <laughs> and, and and how did you go how did you go from being a young lad um, doing a school project on Motorhead to, to being involved in this thing that is Motorhead for so long
0: I mean, I, you know, I bullshitted my way into the music press. I was in the music press. I was doing it, and them and I kept uh, kept in constant touch. I mean, I actually, right after the school magazine stuff, I, I, uh, I bullshitted my way into Sounds on a summer internship in 1983 and uh, was greatly encouraged by Gary Bushell to, to write a piece that would be published. Now, this was, yeah, absolutely... I mean, it's, how magical was that? You know, it was very exciting. It's like winning a competition. Um, but my subject, for this, my subject was—I uh, I basically wrote a half-page uh, essay on how the entire world had got another perfect day wrong, and they could all go fuck themselves because this was actually a brilliant record. And if you were just going to judge it because it wasn't fast Eddie on there, then you were basically a complete twat. I mean, that's—I that was the. That's the short version to save anyone from digging up and reading it. It was so utterly biased and so 100% uh, not on the fence that Gary Bushell, on publishing it, held it up in the editorial and ruffled my head like a like the school kid I was and said, brilliant, a fan right. we need more of this. And, uh, and, and so, you know, with that kind of launched my freelance career. But also... That summer, <laughs> That's awesome. I ended up being. Inv- I ended up. I was going to a festival in Dublin, uh, the Daily Mount, uh, Daily Mount Park, and Motorhead were playing with the Ian Gillan Black Sabbath, and, and so anyway, to cut a long story short, I was in, you know, invited backstage, and and Lem saw me. and He called me over, and uh, and he just he just came up to me, and he basically gave me a one handed hug, which put my nose right into his armpit, which is an experience I will never forget. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a bouquet. It's it's a bouquet of aromas that I think to this day perfumers in Paris are trying to trying to figure out. Ode um, Street. It was it
1: was unique. But anyway, David, <laughs> big if, on, if they uh, do if they do create they, if they do create it, it will be called machismo
0: Yeah, there you go. It was absolutely yeah, and everyone will want to wear it. Um, but and uh, yeah, and so he. Uh, and he just grabbed me one arm and he, I, 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 my nose, nose buried in his armpit. And I heard him say, "Thanks, Steph, That was good what you did there. And then he let me go. And he kind of looked at me and gave me a winked, gave me a thumbs up. And uh, uh, I had a drink. And, and so sort of that was the beginning of it, really. And then in 1984, um, the management were looking for people to help, like, you know, promote the, the bit, you know, the gig. That was going to be the do or die of Motorhead when you know Phil Campbell and Wurzel had just joined, and it's like, well, we're going to find out if this is going to fly or not, this lineup. But can you help us promote it, like all fans? And so, me and a few friends went. We did that. We got stickers and we did all the stuff, you know, promoting, you know, helping out as fans, as you did. And so that was another time that you know we met him. So over the years, I sort of built this. I don't know, but through being a a fan and and also then the writing sort of built this connection with him you know i mean uh, yeah uh, there's another another great story i have to tell you and, uh, and again you're you i'm sure you're furiously making notes to where you can make edits for this but oh
1: i'm, keep, yeah, I'm hey, keeping i'm no, keeping it all no, i'm keeping it all this is great. this is great stuff <laughs> yeah. mate don't stop now <laughs> uh, in
0: 1987 there was a friend of a friend who had had a very bad motorcycle accident and hadn't been able to get out of the hadn't been able to get out of hospital for some time, and was just coming together. And uh, we talked, the, my friend Andy, and, and I talked with this person's nurses and said, "Hey, if we were to bundle him into a car for a night and bring him to a gig, do you think it would be helpful for his spirits?" And the nurses said, "Well, he shouldn't really leave, but yes, we think it would help his mental health a lot. So why not this guy?" Big Motorhead fan. And I remember us bundling him into the back of uh, uh, my friend Andy's Vauxhall Astra, I believe it was, and, and bombing up the motorway to Manchester to bring him to a gig on the Rock and Roll Tour, and, uh, the Motorhead Rock and Roll Tour. And I just remember how nice they all were to, to this guy. He couldn't go up the stairs to the dressing room, so they all came downstairs, they all hung out. I mean, uh, Wurzel actually gave him the, the physical T-shirt off his back you know, and, Len, and they were just still such gentlemen, and Lem was such a gentleman, and I mean, those are those are the, the little things that go a long, long way. You know, when you think, when when I think about what they were, and 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 and, and who Lem was, you know,
1: absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the kind of stories yeah. as well that you that you don't you don't really hear. Um, no, uh, and you know, they would they would obviously never the kind of band that would sort of you know um no. push that kind of thing not that not that anyone would no. but it, it's just no, a, a, I mean, a sign of who thing. they were
0: well and this is the thing and this is why it's such it's so funny the banditos and, and 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 you know look we were all in love with motorhead being the baddest and loudest and fastest and everything but you know the, the truth of it is that you know lem was probably uh and I suppose the rest of the band too, by proxy. But I mean, I'll, I'll address Lem because I knew him better than anyone. It's probably the freest person, the freest rock and roll person I've, I, I, I've I've known. You know, I mean, he really lived his life with complete freedom. I mean, I'm sure that there are, you know, there are things he was sad about. You know, I'm sure, but you know, he talked about them sometimes, not very much, but definitely someone who, you know, he didn't seem to live in a world of regrets or whatever. He just was living his life in a very free way. But he also had such a deep set of principles and and and, and just a, a very, very deeply entrenched sense of decency, which, which I always put down to, you know, him being raised by by uh by, by women, raised by his mum and his auntie, right? So, you know, they uh, he was always very big on that. He was always very big on on his upbringing and his mum, and, and and you know, I think he was raised with in an old-fashioned way, in a sense. But how brilliant! They didn't crush his spirit, you know. Yeah. But they left him with a sense of, of such decent. I mean, such a decent person. I I, 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 you can't overstate that.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, just human really decency.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's such a, such a. It's it should be such a common uh trait but it really is not especially today i mean fucking, yeah, in, a, in a world of sociopaths psychopaths and narcissists you know he would fucking he would shine like a king yeah which, ironically he would hate because he was not into being deified in any way you know he didn't he didn't like people referring to him in that sense you know yeah but secretly he knew but he always yeah he gave respect and he would love wanted to be respected i think that was always very important to him you know he would give you respect and he would expect it back, you know? Yeah. Not because he was Lemmy at all, but because he was being decent.
1: Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Well, a, a mate of mine was playing the fruit machine in the Samaritz one night and um, mm. he was playing away and he became conscious of this bloke sort of stood watching. So he just, <laughs> So he looked and saw it was Lemmy and he carried on playing the fruit machine and Lemmy didn't move and didn't say anything. And he carried on playing the fruit machine And Lemmy didn't move and Lemmy didn't say anything And my mate didn't move and he didn't say anything And he just carried on playing the fruit machine And just as my no, mate
0: you British if both of them Yeah, yeah, oh
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely For our American listeners, this happens every day In every British pub um, and, um, and just as he's um, Just as my mate is putting the very last coin He's got into the machine Lemmy just says It's a Mugs game this, you know And walks off <laughs>
0: <laughs> wonderful it's so good i just uh, yeah yeah i have a familiar it's uh, great he, he you get some good fruit machine wisdom from him i remember him once coding a fan that abba came on uh, somewhere and uh, you know his person turned out i have like, oh, a shit aren't they and he turned down and he was like you know when was the last time you sang wrote uh, the song more a million people could sing and yeah. uh he was like oh, and he raised his eyebrow and he gave me goes yeah really shit <laughs> 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 <He> carried on <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah oh he, that's and, uh, brilliant he, he was uh yeah yeah he, he's yeah yeah uh, he did he did love his machines but my god what a learned person i mean talk about someone who's self-taught i mean i like you know he was so well read i mean he read voraciously i mean look let's not be around the bush partially because he was awake for for <laughs> you know a lot Multiple like twenty four hour periods. I mean, he was yeah, he was he was. I'm sure he'd nod off for a bit here and there, but I mean, he was basically awake. He was awake for rather more of his life than most people would have been at seventy, right? So yeah, spent a lot of waking hours. So there's time to fill, a lot of reading. But man, he 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 read a lot of stuff, and uh, you know, there was uh, not very much that you couldn't uh, that you could pin him on in terms of you know modern history. Um, all, all history is obviously you know, Second World War history is known but he was he was up on all of it you know, but I just I don't know, I mean it's, it's, he just always struck the. I mean, he always said the right thing but because he was decent I, I, yeah. I, I know we keep on coming back to this word but you know it, and I, I suppose, i a surprise of course it's not a surprise but I guess you think of rock stars and decent it, does, it
1: doesn't always make sense. I don't well, know. No. Do you know what? I was, I was thinking of an example. I don't I, I, I know where this has come from, but I remember years ago I'm watching MTV and I think it might have been headbangers ball or something like that. And there was a section in the show called um, uh, basically uncle Lemmy's, you know, advice corner and somebody had obviously, oh, yeah. and, and, and so his job was to like, you know, read some letters that had been sent into the show and disp, in dispense advice. Yeah. And the second I always remember this because it made a big impression on me. The second or third um letter in was from a uh, from a black guy who was saying that uh, yeah, yeah. that he was in he was into rock and metal and stuff like that and and like his mates weren't and he was getting chastised for it and everything. And he got about halfway through the letter and went, actually this this isn't for te- for television. I'll 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 speak to you personally. <laughs> and, yeah. and and th- and I remember thinking, yeah, he will as well. That's exactly what is going to oh. happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, he had, and that was, you know, again, he always had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of time for people. So, you know, he, he was just, he liked, he liked to talk to people. He liked to have, you know, help, whatever, listen, socialise. I mean, he, you know, I mean, you know, his dressing room, uh, even towards the end, um, his dressing room, you know, would always end up, uh <laughs> You know, with a smoky, a smoky room full of people drinking and having a good time, and even if he was just sitting in the corner, sort of reading or playing on his little portable fruit machine, just the hubbub was was all he needed. You know, he kind of liked that so He liked to have that at the shows, and he liked to, have, you know, he likes to be around that. Um, you know, he he enjoyed it. You know, but it was, it was actually quite a strange juxtapose because. You know, he certainly did enjoy his moments of reading in solitude, but he also liked to have people around him. As, it was very, very strange, he managed to, as I think about it, he managed to pull both elements together at the same time. Um, yeah, crazy. And you, uh, just, I mean, just very unique. I mean, and again, I think about it, very very unique.
1: For Yeah, from what you're saying, it was, he liked, he liked to be company, but he didn't particularly like to be the centre of attention in that company.
0: Yeah, I suppose that is probably a good way of putting it, yeah, which is, you know, you wouldn't... It's interesting, he was not someone who... Yeah, now you say that, he wasn't someone who ever really talked about himself much, but he loved to talk about things he had experienced. So, you get you know, Hendrix, he'd be happy to to eulogise on. He loved talking about the Beatles, you know. Any British humour, like, you know, like the, like the <laughs> Goons or, or Milligan or Python. Yeah all over it like you know but he liked to i wouldn't say pontificate he liked to discuss things that maybe he had seen or witnessed or whatever um but he wasn't he wasn't too much into saying well then on the fifth day of the ace of spades tour we you know although he did always enjoy telling the story about covering a promoter in switzerland i think it was with cheese He did always enjoy that story. He loved telling that story. (laughs) That was one that I seem to remember, that they covered a promoter in
1: cheese. Um, How how do you even begin to cover anyone in cheese? I mean, presumably they have to uh, stand still for some time.
0: (laughs) Yes, I can't quite remember the nuts and bolts of it, but uh, it was something to say. uh, I I remember they used to enjoy the final line, which was basically this promoter saying, this is no way to treat a man to cover him in cheese. (laughs) <laughs> which gave him great, great amusement. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, who would remember that story much better than probably tell it properly is Phil Campbell. So um, I'm sure he would, he would know that story. He right, well, story, but...
1: when I get to, when I get to Phil, I will, I will be asking him about, you do realise it's no way to treat a man as to cover him in cheese.
0: Yes, yeah, ask him, because he'll give you the, he'll, he'll tell you as it was, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, so yes, he, you're you're right in that sense, and I'd probably never really thought of it like that. But he, uh, he enjoyed it, but being the centre of attention, um, not so much. You know, um, yeah, and I think it's
1: very important. Go on. No, I was I was going to say it was it was when you were talking about the dressing room and and it being people it being full with people and him being happy in the company of everybody, and and just I don't know, I get the sense of a man who is enjoying the fact that people were enjoying. Being in that space, and and it was it's kind of do you know what I mean? Sort of enjoying other people's enjoyment.
0: Yeah. Well, he was very very proud of 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 what Motorhead stood for, what Motorhead was, what Motorhead meant, and what Motorhead encouraged people to be. I mean, he was very proud of all of those things, and that's why. You know that that there is you know in the legacy. uh, I think there's a real. is a real duty of care to, to, to what, to what it means, yeah. you know, to what it is. And, but, you know, it, and it's very important as well at the same time that, that, you know, the music uh, be celebrated repeatedly and not allowed to drift into the background. I it, it cannot, yes, you know, it cannot do that. I mean, I, I see to this day, I still see the, you know, what, what, Motorhead means to, to so many people, As even right now, even at this moment, you know, everyone's locked away, and you know, you still see people communicating with each other in, in that tribal sense. And, and it is, it's, it's you know, it's still, it's very important. It's a very important thing to, to maintain.
1: Well, it, that's a really interesting point because this is uh, that must, how do you control the such a famous, iconic, and I'm using the word correctly such an iconic logo and symbol from appearing on like, you know, everything because presumably that is something that is a constant battle or something you're constantly being asked. Can we put it on this? Can we put it on this?
0: Well, I think, I think the management, you know, are very, very, very aware of, you know, that, that, the custodial care, if you will, yeah, of 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 the name and of the logo and of the artwork. I think you're very very aware of it, and I think you're just guided by you're guided by that principle to to an extent. I mean, you know, I think that. I mean, I remember several, you know, several years, maybe three years before Len passed. You know, the there were the sex toys came about, and people were just like, "Oh my God, this is like you know, kiss or whatever." And it's like, well, no he thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. And what, I mean, what else, you know, he did. I mean, he was a little bewildered at, at a sunset, but he liked, he liked the idea of, of, of a motorhead. And so, I mean, that's probably the most, you know, on the fence, I remember that being presented and thinking, hm, I don't know about this. And, but he was, you know, he was like, yeah, great. I mean, you think about it, between that yeah. and motorhead booze, I mean, those are things that, you know, they, yeah, they were I'm... things that he could stand behind. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> You know, I, I, I the, so that there are there are certain things that make a lot of sense, and there are certain things that don't. And needless to say, the things that don't make sense don't don't get done. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, uh, it's it's a balancing act, and yeah. uh, I think again, the guiding light has to be uh, what he would think. I mean, I'll give you I mean, the personal example I have is this. You know. Count- countlessly aware that, you know, obviously Motorhead is probably one of those bootleg bands around. I mean, everyone is bootlegging all the time, which is really uncool, actually. You know, I mean, it's very uncool. I mean, you know, they're, 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 it's, it's just, I, oh, it's not right. No. Um, at all. So, you know, you're looking at bootleg shirts of Lem. There's quite a few of them where he's either in sort of a messiah figure or he is got a halo and like a shroud or something, you know, there's the religious thing where he's a God, right? Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, look, I've looked at these shirts, bootleg shirts, I thought, you know, they're kind of cool, but I will tell you one thing. He did not like religion. He hated religion. I mean, everyone knows this, right? And he did not like to be, he did not want to be deified in that way. Yeah. 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 So it seems like, it would seem like a very sort of small thing, but to us, pretty big thing oh yeah you know just to not portray him you know as you know physically portray him as a god yes you know
1: yeah he dressed
0: up as the pope himself in a video so yeah you know okay he's having some fun there but yeah so so there are there are some very uh there are some some fine lines there that that maybe a nobody would ever think about but that that we know you know
1: um well that just from just I mean, from he speaking I fought,
0: sorry i, I so, have to tell you one more time yeah go he for and it and i fought for a lot one of one of the big fights we had was over a white putting a motorhead on a logo on a white t-shirt which for years was not an official t-shirt we fought about it for ages because people were bootlegging it left and right yeah and i, I just said to him i was like then why, why would you not and he's like i don't care he goes you know I like black, a black t-shirt, because t-shirts, you know, that's what I want. And I'm like, but you always, I said to him, but you say that you want to serve the fans. Fans want a white t-shirt with a black pig on it. Like, why, why is this wrong? And he's like, because it's not a black t-shirt. I'm like, for fuck's sake, it could be punk, it could be anything. And he's like, I don't care, Stephen, I want a black t-shirt. Finally, finally, he was like, all right, go on. It took him forever to wrap his head around it. And then never another word said about it, and he was fine with it. You know, but that was one that, you know, I was, uh, you know, had some Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what would have brought yeah. a
1: smile to his face would have been when I was walking down um, Oxford Street when the um, when the, the Motorhead sex toy made its debut in the UK. And mm. on Oxford Street, there is a huge Confessions adult superstore and their entire window display was dedicated to Motorhead. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. Yeah, and-
0: and I have to say, again, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, sex was something that Lem was very keen on. <laughs> <laughs> put
1: it, put it we lovely, sound, we right? sound like, we sound like a couple of old men here. Too. Lem was very keen on uh, sex. Keen. <laughs>
0: he was very keen on a bit of sex. a bit of sex. Oh, he, he liked, he liked his women. He liked his women uh, he certainly liked his women a few thousand of them I will say maybe a little more than some of us a little less than others but he did like them yes yeah. I think, yeah, it? so uh, yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of thought and concern that goes into you know trying to do this properly and yeah. and, 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 and trying to do it right and I, I you know and this comes I, I'll bring it back to the the box sets uh, you know that the, there's been two live shows that were in the last one there's two live shows in this forthcoming ace of spades set you know people have got to know i mean you know we really like comb the archives to find sets that are you know that are going to absolutely blow your fucking pubic hairs off (laughs) Uh, i mean you know i mean they are really they're they're, they're designed with great care i mean we, we don't just bang this shit out. I mean, we sit yeah. for a long time, and again, I've got to go back to, you know, record companies are uh, unfairly, uh, sometimes unfairly demonised, and I have to say that I think B&G's creative team that we've been working with are brilliant, and I'm not I'm not a, a, you know, an arse smoke blower in any way, so it's no interest or not a desire of mine to do that. So when, when I tell you that, like, Miles and, and, and Emma and, and Joe and Neil and and Peter and, and, and Dan, uh, yeah, the, the, the core people who are involved in, in this project. Why well, tell you that we have long fucking meetings and sit and really get into this shit on a micro level. Yeah. I mean, Miles is the king of, of, like, really, like, you know, microing and, and, and just making sure. I, I, I mean it. I've never really come across a, company, a record label that looks to do as much. The, the fans in that sense, a major label, you
1: know. Yeah, every, no. Well, absolutely, fans, absolutely. And well, well, here Maybe. we are. I mean, you know, we do, we're doing a podcast. You know, I mean, who else? We is, are. What other record label are, is is, every, is doing that?
0: But every detail of that box, and I can't, I can't tell you how how wonderful that box is going to be. I mean, every yeah. detail. I mean, you know, what's the? I mean, listen, it gets as anal as this. What is the t- what is the register of color in the embossment? on the wooden box that's the kind of shit that we've been getting into discussing and everything right. because we want it to be as good as it can be and you know i, I when, when people get this box set i really yeah you know, i really want them to go back into sort of just like sit back turn this fucking thing up and turn your living room into a western saloon or something i don't fucking know but but live it don't just listen to it you know like look through the paraphernalia look through the tour book like read what chris is saying as you're listening it's an it's 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 a physically immersive experience and not in this fucking digital like you know fucking put on your vr headset well i'm I'm talking about tactile so and and this is also really important uh you know i I think it's important anyway so
1: i couldn't uh, look Stefan. i i couldn't agree more um the the box the, the whole the whole all the packages look amazing. You've all done an incredible job, and I just want to thank you for taking the time out to to chat with me today to t- tell us all these great Lemmy stories. I'm sure. I'm thanking you on behalf of myself and everybody listening. That, um, thank you so much for for sharing and and taking the time today. Really appreciate it.
0: Great, thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope you had as much fun listening to that as I did doing it. Um, and that has to be one of the very best Lemmy impressions you're ever going to hear. Um, so, you know, worth, worth listening just for that. Um, uh, this is a sign of things to come. Uh, we've got lots more to come for you. Next episode, next episode, you are going to be hearing from the legend of the heavy metal scene in the UK, Crusher. That's right, Crusher, DJ Crusher, however you know him. Um, He designed the tour programme for the Ace Up Your Sleeve tour, Um, He's got some great stories as well. Everybody's got great stories. Everybody you hear from on this podcast is going to be, you're going to hear some things you've never heard before. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. Please do remember to subscribe to this podcast. Just hit the subscribe button on whatever app it is that you use, and that will mean that every episode, as soon as it's released, will magically appear in your player. You can either download it, download it over Wi-Fi. If you've got, a, a, you know, if you haven't got much data, you can stream it. Um, but basically anywhere where you find podcasts or where you play podcasts, you will find the Motorcast. And why not do us a favor and tell your friends, share it, share the episode, tell everyone all about it, because there is going to be some incredible stuff coming. There already is you heard that great interview and there's going to be more where that came from um, as for all of the uh, all of the ace of spades stuff that's coming out the best place to go is motorhead.com that's nice and simple isn't it and you can also find all of motorhead's um social media on that page as well so rather than me sitting here reading out a load of social media handles that aren't going to make any sense and probably send you to sleep no need. Just head over to Motorhead.com. You can find all the information about the uh, the limited editions. And you will also be able to find out, find all Mothead's socials as well. So, um, look, thank you very much for joining this very first episode. Whenever it is, even if they're all out already and you've just only heard about it and got to the first one. Well done. You got here. That's the main thing. To all of you that are listening, um, obviously, this is... At the moment, all based around Ace of Spades. And you are going to be, you're in for a treat. That's it. I'm going to stop selling it now. I've, I'm have i done. It really is going to be something special. So please do share, tell your friends, anyone who's into podcasts, let them know about it. And thank you very much for your company. Looking forward to the next edition. Speak to you soon. I don't show you
0: greed. The only card I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.